right. Welcome back to Roy Knows Podcast. This is uh, Dr. Rod Roy. I'm a plastic surgeon in Dallas, Texas. We hear all the time about this new trend or fad and another, you know, buckle fat removal. The deep plane facelift is so much better. Uh, you know, we're taking ribs out to make waists narrower. I mean, is it real or is it not real? And is it safe or not? So, so I've asked uh, a world famous plastic surgeon, Dr. Bauman Gairon from Cleveland to come join me today to talk about some of these trends and fads in plastic surgery, especially in cosmetic surgery, and really with the mind of, mindset of, I mean, how do we assess these things, and are they safe, and, and how should we evaluate them? So, Dr. Gairon, welcome. How are you? I'm fine, Rod. How are you? I am awesome. I'm awesome. So, let's, let's dissect some of these things, and you and I have been through a few of these fads, and uh, in all different aspects of plastic surgery, but especially most recently because of social media, it's been in cosmetic surgery. And, and so let's talk about, let's talk about the first one of buckle fat. You know, not only is Dr. Gairon a, a plastic surgeon, but he's also a craniofacial surgeon. So tell us about this fad about doing buckle fat on, on a lot of people. So when should people consider doing a buckle fat removal and, and what is the harm of doing it when you shouldn't do it? Yeah, that's a great question, Rod. What I, what I do personally is manually reposition the soft tissues that I'm going to be repositioning in the operating room. Okay. After I do that, if I see a huge bulk bulging soft tissue here. Right here, yeah, right here, yeah, right here. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Like close to the jaw. jaw. And that is if a person on whom I'm going to remove the buckle fat back. How often they do that? Probably in 5% of the patients, 10% of the patients. Most of the time, you and I reposition the, the buckle fat pad and internally by right. positioning the tissues and get advantage of creating more fullness in the area that we need. And we need to be careful about uh, removal of buckle fat pad because it can cause very hollow, a lot of hollowing. In fact, I just saw somebody who was very unhappy uh, having had that operation done by somebody else and I'm going to actually inject some fat in that area to replace the, the fat that was removed in, in, on this patient inappropriately. Most, are, most of our colleagues knew, know, know what to do, but there are people that jump on, as you said, jump on a bandwagon and do the things as a routine. There is no patient who needs everything as routine. We have to customize right. our technique. I agree. And also, you know, replacing the buckle fat is not a simple thing because it's it's the gliding fat pad between the superficial and deep compartment. It's not a simple thing to do. And uh, it's like saying, oh, yeah, I can remove that filler. I mean, removing filler is, is another thing we'll just talk about briefly. But so I, I agree. So no, before you go, and I like that. I, I agree. I, I hold it up, but also have them push their, their tongue to the top of their mouth and if they bulge. But most of the time, they don't they don't need that. And then when they do, that's fine to do. So, well, let's let's just jump over to another thing that's a hot topic. And, and we're trying to just help you, the consumer, like the deep plane facelift. Now, you know, it's another social media fad and everybody says, oh, I discovered it, I did it. But you know, as you know, these are not new things. And we've been 
through all this with the deeper manipulation of the layers of the, of, of the face, the smass, and going above and below it and going to the bone. And, and, and Baba, tell us about your thoughts. I mean, we've been through all these techniques, so tell us about the deep plane. Is it new? Is it going to be so much better? Absolutely not. We know that deep plane has been, uh, uh, in fact, the, the person who was the most uh, ardent pro proponent of uh, the plane is a friend of us from Ad uh, from uh, Dallas. Yeah. And, uh, we know that repositioning of the deeper tissues may have uh, may add to the longevity of what we do and improve the results. But we we all do it differently. And what it means that what unfortunately the younger generation uh, they do that. They just jump on their band uh, again bandwagon and they want to do a deep plane on everybody. There are patients who need deep plane repositioning. Those who have not been smoking for 30, 20, 30 years, but they used to smoke 20, 30 years ago. On those patients, skin circulation may not be as robust as somebody who never smoked. On those patients, I may consider repositioning of the skin and the deeper layers at the same time. But there's nothing new about it. It has been exactly. on for a long time. We all tighten the deeper layers in a variety of ways. Right. And those of our uh, experience, and that's what the patients need to do. Look into the experience of the per person. And, uh, and some other people do this, and again, uh, immediately start doing different things because they haven't figured out what works, what doesn't work. Exactly. And I, I talked to Sherelle Aston about this recently as well in New York, and he said exactly what you did, uh, Dr. Gairon. And basically, you got to individualize it to the patient, to their patients, their aging process and who they are. But no one person needs the same operation. And we've, you know, there's that's why there's different types of uh, deep layer facelifts like you talked about, you know, the SMAS layer, extended SMAS, all these different things, smasectomy, they work in selected patient populations. So so I, I agree. So know before you go, and I think so much has been played up on that, and of course, then they say that, and how many times have we heard that this is the facelift that lasts forever? Nothing lasts forever. Death and taxes and probably a few other people we don't like, but you know, but you know, so let's go on to another one that's really out there a lot, and that's thread lifts, thread lifts. And I see those a lot, and I know you do as well. I I see patients all the time where they said I had my thread lift done and of course it lasted till the check cleared which was less than three or four months or three or four weeks so uh, what is the dangers of that I mean certainly for those of us as surgeons you know I don't like to operate on a thread lift patient so tell us about does that make sense to you not really because it has been demonstrated in fact some of the honest plastic surgeons who, who tried this have proven that it really doesn't work and it it does cause a lot of problems for us it creates scar tissues you can damage the nerves on the uh, process of suspension and they all cut through the tissues right. so that's why they only last uh, three to six months maximum a year and unfortunately as you said again people want to make a shortcut but most of the time, shortcuts are not going to deliver the results that we want. 
Right. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and I just and of course when we do operate on them and do real surgery, it's another scar tissue plane because you put you got all of these things in there. The only thing that's been better is that they used to be permanent sutures. Now they're biodegradable. So, so what about okay? Another hot topic is the lip lift. Everybody should have a lip lift. And of course, no, it's another operation like you mentioned. I think in my hands that in selected patients, it's a good thing to do. But but my goodness, doing a lip lift on a 20 year old. You said, is that a good idea? Not really. I think one of the most, there, there are two dominant features of the face. One is the eyes, one is the, uh, the mouth and lip relationship to the, to the teeth. And when, unfortunately, there are patients that are, as they get older, when most patients, as they get older, the lip may sag and cover the teeth. On those patients, the surgery is indicated, but you talk about a 22-year-old patient, what happens is often what the center portion of the lip rises too much in relation to the corners of the mouth. And that's going to actually give us a sort of a rapid shape to the, to the face. Most incidences is unattractive. Uh, do I do it? Absolutely. And I, I do it in the right indication for the right patient. In fact, I, I, I sometimes say no because of exactly what I just said, because the patient has the high portion uh, center of the lip. If you do a lip lift on the, the patient, you could create a V-shaped uh, configuration to the lip that it is totally unattractive. So we really need to be careful about uh, who's going to have a lip lift. In properly selected patient, it is a very gratifying procedure. I, I agree, and it's a great adjunct for facial rejuvenation because as we age, everything gets longer and thinner, and it, it's a great operation, and you don't have to make it complicated. It really, if you reduce the size of the lip and just bring it up a little bit, and, and don't overcorrect it because th th it's, it's hard to reverse that. So all wise words. So let's talk about one more thing and then uh, uh, preservation rhinoplasty. Another hot topic, I mean, rhinoplasty, you and I do lots of rhinoplasties. And preservation rhinoplasty, just like structural precision, is, they're both good operations. But, you know, we hear around the world that it's revolutionized rhinoplasty. It's revolu and, you know, whenever I hear the word revolution, I think of some of the, <laughs> the things that <laughs> we thought revolutionized it, and there's about a list of 20 of them in plastic surgery. And uh, so tell us about preservation rhinoplasty. And first of all, it's probably a misnomer because you really have to understand rhinoplasty if you're going to do a preservation rhinoplasty. What, what do you think, Bauman? Well, I agree with you, actually. You're, you're essentially destroying some of the normal portions of the nose to hide the flawed area of the nose, uh, meaning the hump. Uh, so is there a candidate uh, for that operation? Perhaps. But frankly, again, this 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 is one of those things that we are we have talked about that individuals have never figured out to produce consistent and reliable outcomes. They have just trying different things, and it is not to say that is a wrong operation for a right patient. That could be the operation, but I think it is being overdone. Right. Over, we just uh, completed a study to show that many of these patients 
uh, have multiple flaws. Uh, they all are small flaws, but they are flaws. And we need, this, the patients need to be careful. And I think that I'm going to tell you what, how you can avoid uh, traps like this. Some of these are trapped. Just listening to the patient, uh, to the surgeon, and figuring and reading about the procedures and asking questions and making sure that you're educated, but not uh, going with the bad and flow that <clears throat> it is, right. it is, and that is not really accurate. And, and again, experience is unmatched. There's nothing that replaces it. You should find somebody who is experienced that in doing whatever you're considering in any of the procedures that we talked about, and you're going to be safe. Right. Wise words by an incredible plastic surgeon, Dr. Gayaron from Cleveland. Follow the facts, not the fad. And I think that's important. And so please give me your comments and, and thoughts. And I think uh, this was a very empowering and enlightening session, Dr. Gayaron, because it talked about all these things that are so hot on social media today, and some are good. In fact, many of them in selected patients are good, but you have to individualize it and follow the experience and expertise of the surgeon like Dr. Gairon mentioned. So, so thank you again, Bauman, and uh, I really always enjoy talking to you, and, and I learned so much from you from your incredible wisdom and common sense. Thank you, Bauman. Thank you.